Good morning, Lakeview Church. Isn't this an interesting situation that we find ourselves in? I haven't been able to confirm that this is actually the case, but I think this is the first time in the history of the Wesleyan Church that a pastoral candidate has been invited to preach by video for his candidating weekend. Uh, This isn't the way that any of us would have designed it if the choice were up to us. But the reality is we've been dealt this hand, so we're adapting and we're moving forward. We would much prefer to be meeting together face-to-face, interacting with one another and uh, getting to, to know one another better in the same room, but we're not in that situation today. While this is a candidating Sunday, I uh, know this might be hard for us to do. We certainly can't ignore that fact, but I do want us today, if we can, to put the candidating on the back burner. The reality is, is that we've gathered around our TVs and our computers and our devices today because we've gathered to worship and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you as much as is possible to take this whole idea of candidating and put it on the back burner so that we can focus on the most important agenda item for today. And that's worshiping Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. So to that end, I want to invite you to pray with me that God would speak to us as we spend these next few minutes opening his word together. So let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come to you in this moment. And we are so thankful that even though we are gathering today in a very non-traditional way, that you are still being faithful to your promise, that whenever we gather in your name, there you are right in our midst. So we welcome you into this moment right now. We're asking God that as we turn our attention to the scriptures in this service, that you would open our our ears, our minds, our hearts, and our souls, that your word might be planted deep inside of us. And as that seed of your word begins to grow, may it produce fruit in our lives that will bring glory and honor to your name. Lord, we invite you to speak to us in this moment for we are listening. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. On this Easter Sunday, 2020, we find ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic. And this global pandemic is pushing us to the edge of our limits. We are cloistered away in our homes. We're separated from flesh and blood community. The economy seems to be grinding to a halt and all along the number of COVID-19 cases continues to go up and to increase. And with each passing day, unfortunately, more people are dying with this virus. And as we come to this Easter celebration, it It almost makes it hard to celebrate because of the reality that we find ourselves in. But here's what we know today, that if there was ever a moment when we needed to remember Easter, when we needed to reflect on and remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is this day today. If there's ever a day that we needed to be reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave, it is this very minute that we find ourselves in. 
So this morning, for the next little bit of time, I'd like us to look at this passage of scripture that we've been reading throughout the service. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to grab it and find that scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to begin at the beginning because that's always a good place to start. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses three through five, we find Paul giving to us the essence of the gospel in just a nutshell, just a couple of sentences. He summarizes the entire gospel. And this is what he says. He says, for I received uh, that which I passed on to you, which is of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. We have to start here because it's important for us to remember that the gospel isn't just that Jesus died. It's not even that Jesus died and was buried. It's that he died and he was buried and then he was raised Again, you see, if you take the gospel and you remove the resurrection, you don't have the gospel anymore. It's a little bit like the Jenga game, you know, the blocks that you put together to build a tower. You can pull the blocks out and there are certain blocks when you pull them out that the tower will remain standing. But then there are other blocks. If you pull those out, well, the entire tower comes crashing down. It's the same way with the gospel. In this short little couple of sentences that Paul's given to us, he's put some key characteristics of the gospel, some essentials. And if you pull any one of those blocks out, well, the entire gospel tower comes tumbling down. The resurrection is one of those blocks. If you take out the resurrection, you don't have a gospel anymore. And if you don't have a gospel anymore, then you don't have any hope. And all you're left with is despair. Paul wants to make this point in this passage of scripture. So he goes beyond kind of communicating the essence of the gospel to invite his readers into a little bit of a thought experiment. He wants them to kind of think, what would life be like if there was no resurrection? And so if you, if you look in verse 13 of this passage, he starts kind of playing this game with them. If there's no resurrection in verse 13, he says then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. Verse 14, if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching doesn't make any difference and your faith, it's useless. Verse 15, he says, if Christ hasn't been raised, then we're liars, we're false witnesses. Verse 17, if Christ hasn't been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still lost in your sins. Verse 18, if Christ hasn't been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, well, they're lost. They have no hope of resurrection. And in verse 19, if Christ hasn't been raised, then we are to be pitied. Why are we to be pitied? Because we don't have any hope. You see, the resurrection is the essential part of the gospel. And when you pull it out, it leaves you with no hope, no gospel. And the only thing that you're left with is the possibility of despair. Paul wants all of those who are reading this passage of scripture to come to this moment where you realize without the resurrection, you're left with no hope so that he can bring them to verse 20, where he reintroduces them to the ultimate truth that is the foundation of the gospel. He brings them to this moment in verse 20 where he says, but Christ 
has indeed been raised. Christ has indeed been raised. And this is good news. It's good news because since Christ has been raised, well, our preaching is true and it's real. Since Christ has been raised, your faith is vibrant and alive. Since Christ has been raised, your sins have been forgiven. Since Christ has been raised, you have hope in this life and in the life to come. And on this Easter Sunday, right in the middle of this global pandemic, we need this good news today, that Christ has indeed been raised. Paul brings everybody to this point in this passage because he's writing this part of his letter to the Christians in Corinth to activate hope in their lives. He wants them to see what life would be like without the resurrection and then remind them that the resurrection really happened so that they can have hope in their lives. For example, he wants them to have hope for this life. It's interesting when Paul plays this kind of thought experiment out, he says, if there's no resurrection, then you're still in your sins. At the end of verse 32, he says, if, if Christ hasn't been raised, then you should eat and drink for tomorrow you die. In other words, you're still lost in your sins. There's no hope of transformation. So you should live however you want to live. But in verse 34, he recognizes that Christ has been raised. So you should come to your senses and you should stop sinning. Earlier, the verses we've already read, since Christ has been raised, your sins are in fact forgiven. You see, the implication of what Paul's playing out here is that since Jesus has been raised from the dead, we have hope for this life, that we can be forgiven of our sins and we can be changed. It's a wonderful reality and we cannot lose that hope today because here's the reality. For many of us, the, the uh, loss of hope or the darkness that we might feel pushing in on us, well, that's not always related to the circumstances around us. Sometimes it is, but sometimes the darkness that pushes in on us, it's related to the circumstances inside of us. You see, there are things in our lives, patterns of behavior, addictions that we might be caught up in, patterns of repetitive sin that we can't seem to break out of. We find ourselves in those moments and we start to wonder, is this darkness that's inside of us too dark? Is this, is this reality that we're dealing with too much? Can we ever break out of this? Can we ever experience transformation and new hope in our lives? And what Paul's reminding us in this passage is that in fact, we can. There is hope for this life that we can be forgiven and we can be changed. In another letter that the apostle Paul wrote this time to a group of Christians in Rome, he talks about his own journey. And in Romans chapter seven, he says, there are some things that I wish I could do that I want to do that I can't seem to find the strength to do. And then he says, there are other things that, that are the things I don't want to do. I want to avoid them, but I find myself doing them over and over and over again. And you can hear it in Paul's writing that he's kind of lost hope, almost into despair in his life. And he says, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he turns the corner. And says, thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Jesus Christ. 
And when you move into Romans chapter eight, Paul starts to talk about how this victory is won in our lives. And he actually ties the victory to the resurrection. He says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. And that spirit is bringing us to new life. That spirit is teaching us how we should live. That spirit is shaping and forming us into the very image of Jesus Christ. You see, we need the resurrection in our lives today because we need to be reminded that there is hope for this life, that we can be forgiven of our sins and we can be changed. But we don't just need hope for this life. We need hope for the life that is to come. Paul doesn't just talk about forgiveness of sins in this passage. He talks about the fact that there is coming a day when Jesus will return. And when Jesus returns, all of those who have fallen asleep in the Lord, all of those who have died in Christ, they'll be raised again. And all of those who haven't died in Christ at that point, they'll be changed in a moment, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. The perishable will be clothed with the imperishable. The mortal will be clothed with immortality. And we will spend forever in the presence of our God. This is an important message for us today that the resurrection of Jesus reminds us that there's not just hope for this life, there's hope for the life to come. And here's why this is important today because we feel the darkness pressing in on us. We're in a season in our world today that's very difficult and very challenging. There's fear and there's anxiety, there's uncertainty, there's difficulty and there's challenge. And we might be tempted to lose hope. We might even be tempted to give in to despair in these moments. But here's the reality. Because we know there is a day coming when Jesus will return, we are reminded that whatever we are going through today, no matter how dark it is, no matter how long the night seems to be, no matter whether we think morning is going to come or not, the reality is what we're experiencing today is only temporary. It will pass. I promise One day Jesus will return and whatever we've experienced, whatever we've gone through, no matter how dark or how long or how hard, it will pass away and we will be in his presence. This is important for us. We need to take this to heart and let hope be activated again in our lives. Hope not just for this life, but hope for the life that is to come. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, when he's writing about some of the difficulties and challenges and trials that he's facing in his own life, he says, these difficulties are just light and momentary troubles. And they're achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Let me encourage your heart today. The season that we are in, it is only temporary. We don't know how long it will last, but we know that it's temporary. Jesus will return one day and whatever we're going through, it'll all be wiped away and we will be in his presence. Let the resurrection today inspire new hope for the life that is to come. There's hope for this life. There's hope for the life that is to come, but there's also hope for our world. 
Right in the middle of this passage, around verses 27 and 28, we find Paul painting a picture of the end when everything, he says, will be brought under the feet of Jesus. This is a symbolic way of saying that Jesus will will kind of be the ruler. He will reign over everyone and everything. And in that moment, when Jesus' kingdom is fully realized, he'll turn and he'll hand the kingdom to his father. And the passage says he's going to do that so that God can be all in all. Now, we might be tempted to think when we read these words that Paul's just expounding on hope for the life to come. And certainly the picture he's painting is part of that hope. But I think there's more going on here. I think Paul's inviting us as Christians to hear this hope as a call to mission. You see, what Paul's talking about here is the mission that God started when everything went sideways back in the garden. All the way back in the book of Genesis, when humanity chose to walk away from God, God put in plan, uh, put in place a plan to redeem and restore the world, to put the world back together again. Or as N.T. Wright says, to set the world right. God's been working on this project all throughout the centuries. He worked on it through his people, Israel, in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, He worked on it when he sent Jesus as his only begotten son. And Jesus came to this earth bringing good news that the kingdom of God is now here and you can live in its reality. And Jesus spent his ministry inviting people to enter into the kingdom of God and to bring their lives under his rule and his reign. Jesus' mission was to see the kingdom of God come and to see the will of God being done here on this earth, even as it is done in heaven. And before Jesus returned to be with his father, Jesus calls the church into existence and he gives them the same mission that they would be an outpost of the kingdom, demonstrating the reality of the kingdom in this world and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom to everyone around us and continually inviting people to bring their lives into the kingdom of God so that they can have their lives under the rule and reign of Jesus. You see, this project is a project God's been working on. And what Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15 is that God is committed to seeing the project through all the way to the end. At the very end of time, this project will be fulfilled. Everything will come under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Everything will come under his feet. And in that moment, everything in this world will be just as God intends for it to be. And on that day, God will be all in all. We needed to be reminded of this today on Easter Sunday because sometimes we look at our world and we see the brokenness, we see the sin, we see the dysfunction, we see the world coming apart at the seams in so many different ways. And we might be tempted to think that God has given up on the world, but nothing, nothing could be farther from the truth. You see, God is still working to bring his mission to fulfillment so that everything can be set right again. And this is the point of 1 Corinthians 15, that we would be invited again into mission. We know this because at the very end of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul puts in this nice little word, therefore, at the beginning of verse 58. 
It's his way of saying everything that we've just said leads to this important point. You see, Paul talks about the resurrection to activate hope in our lives, hope for this life, hope for the life to come, hope for our world so that he can have this hope activate us for the purposes of God in our day. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, don't let anything move you. Stand firm and remember that your labor in the Lord, it is never in vain. Paul's saying because the resurrection is true and because it gives hope to us as Christians, we must put our shoulders to the work and do what God is asking us to do in our day. We can't quit. We can't lose hope. We can't give in to despair. We can't throw in the towel. We must keep going as God's people because we must work on the things that God is working on in our world. We must partner with him to see this world become different and better. There's this beautiful picture at the end of uh, the movie, The Two Towers. It's the second movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And there's this great little speech at the end that Samwise Gamgee uh, shares with Frodo. It's just him and Frodo standing on the top of a building and they've just been through a harrowing experience. And, and uh, Sam's trying to make sense of the situation they find themselves in. And he talks about the fact that it seems like everything has gone all wrong. He says, Frodo, we shouldn't be here, but we are. And he laments the fact that they find themselves in a situation where the darkness has swept over them. So much so that it seems as if hope is lost. He says, when we find ourselves in these situations, we wonder how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was before all of the bad that has happened to it has occurred? But as he's giving this speech, he's reflecting on these great stories. Stories, he says, that are full of darkness and danger, but stories that are really important, stories that really matter. And as he's telling his reflections on these stories, he comes to this moment where he realizes that no matter how dark the darkness is and no matter how long the night seems to be lasting, he says, we know this that the darkness will pass and a new day will come. And when it does, the sun will shine out all the clearer. And then he starts to reflect on the people who play the, the role of the characters in these stories. And he says, you know, the folks in these stories, they had lots of chances where they could have turned back, but they didn't. They kept going. They were holding on to something, Sam says. And at this point, Frodo says, well, what are we holding on to, Sam? Sam picks Frodo up off the ground and looks him in the eye and says, we're holding on to the fact that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. You see, we find ourselves in a story where we have lots of chances to turn back. We see the darkness inside of ourselves that we somehow can't seem to break free of or we see the darkness in the world around us or we find ourselves in a season like we're in right now and we wonder to ourselves, can we keep going? 
Is there any hope that this darkness can be pushed back? Is there any hope that the night is going to end? Is there any hope that the morning is going to come? We have lots of opportunity to turn back, but we can't turn back. We got to keep going because we have something to hold on to. And that something we have to hold on to is the living hope that is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Living hope that reminds us that there's hope in this life that we can be forgiven and we can be changed. So we won't turn back. We're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep pursuing transformation in our own lives. And we're gonna keep proclaiming the possibility of transformation for others because there is hope for this life. This living hope that comes from the resurrection, it's a living hope for the life that is to come. Whatever we're going through, no matter how dark the darkness is, no matter how long the night will last, it's only temporary. Light and momentary troubles that are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. And this living hope, it's a hope for this world. God has not given up and he will not give up on this world. He wants to see every person transformed and everything that is wrong in this world made right. That's the project he's working on. And because we have this living hope, we're invited to join him in it, to see the world transformed. So my brothers and sisters, on this Easter Sunday, 2020, in the midst of this crazy season that we find ourselves in, be encouraged with these words. We have a living hope because of the resurrection. So my brothers and sisters, don't let anything move you. Stand firm and remember your labor in the Lord. It is not in vain. Let me pray for you. God, we are so grateful for your living hope. You have performed a miraculous deed for us, for humanity, and for the entire world. And because of Jesus' death and his resurrection today, we have hope for this life. We have hope for the life to come and there is hope for our world. So God, encourage our hearts today, activate hope in us and then let that hope activate us to serve your purposes in our day. And God, as we labor for you, may we always be reminded that our labor for the Lord is never in vain. So use us for your glory. Use us for your honor, advance your purposes through us, and we will give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.